these experiences and how they relate to how I've chosen to engage in intimacy and relationship as an awakening path is looking at where on subtle or not so subtle levels we've kind of been conditioned in culture in order to compromise the knowing of the self in order to make love stay. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 259. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Arielle, who is amazing. We have so much fun in this interview. Yeah, this is a great conversation, and I will say maybe like the fastest, most succinct way to sum it up is like, uh, a beautiful, long, winding, beautiful journey about living intentionally. That's and, a really good way to put it. Yeah. You think so? Mm-hmm. I even wrote that down. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. It's a fantastic conversation. And uh, Ariel is an amazing human. And we just wanted to quickly remind everybody that she'll she'll talk about this at the end about her work. But if you want links to her work and where you can find out more about her, Links are in the show notes and your podcast player or over at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the podcast tab and you can learn all about her and the incredible work behind this incredible journey. Yes. For those of you who are premium subscribers, we're going to jump right into the interview now. And for everyone else, you're going to stick around and listen to a few of our announcements. The first of which is what a premium subscription is. And we're going to keep that super short. The premium subscription is a way for you to skip all of these announcements at the beginning There are links on our homepage where you can sign up or in your podcast player show notes. And basically for as little as $2 a year, you pick the price as much as you want or as little as you want. Again, at least $2 a year. (laughs) You can skip these ads and skip our announcements and jump right into the episode. Also, anybody who is a subscriber to our community, our paid community, formerly known as the Patreon community, you get in for free. You get the subscription included with your community membership. So a little incentive there to join the community, but maybe the community is not for you. You can go ahead and grab the subscription and get in no ads. Speaking of community, if you're out there looking for like-minded people, we'd encourage you to check out our community. We just recently migrated from Patreon to Mighty Networks, which is an amazing community building platform. And we're super excited. We think this is a great uh, long-term option for building the community with all of you. Yeah, we kind of outgrew Patreon. We talked about this in the past, but we kind of outgrew Patreon. And yeah, Mighty Networks is amazing. Most of the people have made the transition. It's active. People are posting all the time in there and it's great. So everything is still included just like it was on Patreon for $5 a month. You get the men's group, the women's group, the monthly calls you for the men's, uh, for the men's group and the women's group and just for the whole community. Yep. Plus you get daily interaction, photos, conversations, and support from amazing humans all over the world. And we'd love for you to join us. So links to sign up, again, are on our website, normalizingonmonogamy.com. Click on the community tab at the top, or there are links in your podcast player show notes. Well, you're on our website. You can also sign up for our next virtual meet and greet. It's going to be on November 30th, and we would love to have you there. These are open to anyone. You just have to be 
you just has to be. You just has to be. <laughs> you just have to be open-minded and respectful. So you can go and sign up there on our website. On the website. We have another exciting announcement here for you all. And this one is kind of new and it's pretty cool. Not kind of new. It is new. It is brand kind of <laughs> brand kind of new, Emma. Uh, and it is really fun. It's amazing. Yeah. So last week we got an email from former guests from way back. How far back? Well, we hadn't even published an episode yet. I know. This was like the very beginning of the podcast. Yeah. And what's even crazier, we didn't know these people. I know. <laughs> they trusted <laughs> us with their story without us knowing them. And here we are four and a half years later. Anyway, so this was episode eight, uh, Samantha and Aaron, and episode 19, Catherine and EJ. They all happen to know each other. Well, Samantha and EJ... They use pseudonyms on the podcast. Their real names are Rachel and Eric, and they're both. Uh, one is a licensed clinical social worker. The other is a licensed master social worker. And they have been doing incredible work for a very long time in the non-monogamous sex positive space. And they've put together an intimacy workshop and they reached out and said, hey, could we could we advertise this on your podcast? And we're like, hell we yeah, we didn't even have a podcast when you came on our podcast. So let's do it. Mm -hmm. And so we're super stoked. So they recorded a little bit of a, a little 30-second ad that we're going to play right here. And we would just encourage you all to go to the links in our uh, in your podcast player show notes, on our show notes, on our website. You know the, you know the drill. <laughs> and you can sign up. Use the discount code EMMA to save $5. There's not a whole lot of room in here because it's a pretty affordable uh, workshop. So have a listen. Then go sign up. And uh, you know what? We'll see you there on December 3rd. Have you ever felt your sexuality was misunderstood by a partner? Would you like to be able to talk more openly about your turn-ons and your turn-offs? Are you an asker or a guesser? How about in the bedroom? If any of these questions are intriguing, you'll likely be interested in our next Intimacy Workshop on Saturday, December 3rd from 9 a.m. to noon. This online event is open to individuals, couples, throuples, and more. We hope to see you there. Thank you to Rachel and Eric for creating this and putting this on. We're super excited to promote it. And so we'd encourage you again to go sign up on our website. Yep, absolutely. And just just a disclaimer, there's no affiliate here. There's no kickbacks. This is just we're super stoked about what they're building and want to support it. Yep. The other thing I wanted to say about this, let's let's say you 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 learn about intimacy. You, mm -hmm. you get some good tips on sex mm -hmm. and you want to go have sex with a lot of other people. Then you should probably get tested. I would recommend it. How <laughs> How, how would you get tested, Emma? I would use svcheck.com. Have you ever used it before? Uh, multiple, multiple times. Wow. A lot of multiples. It makes you sound kind of slutty. <laughs> In the best that way wasn't possible. The, that wasn't the intention. <laughs> I just like to be extra cautious. I don't, I don't ever do any of that. So, yes, it is our favorite way to get tested for STIs, stdcheck.com. You know what? We've talked about it a lot, and you you need to just go check it out for yourself. You can save $10 if you use the links uh, in our resources page or in your podcast player show notes, and it also helps support the show financially. So thank you in advance to you for doing that, and thank you retroactively to everybody who has used those links over the last four years. You're all amazing. Also, please feel free to reach out to us. Send us an email. Send us a voicemail. We would love to hear from you. If you have feedback for us, a question for us, or if you'd like to come on and share your story or anything else, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So please do that as well. Yeah, you don't have to be a coach. You don't have to be a therapist. You don't have to be anything. 
other than your awesome self. That's very true. All right. I think now we're ready to jump into the interview. Are we ready? I guess you got to say, let's go. Let's go. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show, Ariel. Maybe I should say aloha. Thank you for being here. And we're super excited to talk to you. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Would you mind starting by just introducing yourself at whatever level you're comfortable with? Yeah. Uh, my name is Ariel. I am a lover of life and I'm absolutely devoted to embodying my highest human potential, creativity, joy, and just genuinely creating a life that aligns with um, who my soul is and who I came here to be. Um, and I feel so grateful for the life that I've created up until this point. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think, I know we've, we've been trying to set this conversation up for a couple of months and we're excited to finally do it and hear what, what all of that like means and what that journey has been like for you. So maybe the, the best place to start since we are sort of a relationship e podcast, like (laughs) what, what. What do relationships look like for you today? And then maybe we'll figure out how in the world we got here. Yeah. Uh, well, relationships in my reality are um, incredibly intentional. Um, I'm very discerning about the human beings that invite I invite into my sphere because everything is energy. And my devotion over the past many years has been coming into such right relationship with my energy, how I hold my energy, how I love cleanly, authentically, without hooks or or manipulation or giving the self away or compromising the self um, and inviting relationships into my life where we're all super honoring and loving of ourselves and super honoring and loving of the other and what it means to um, like be in the dance of intimacy where we're all holding the space together, which to me is where we can truly thrive, uh, is deeply important to me. And that extends regardless of whether it's romantic relationship, friendship, community. And yeah, I'm in a place in my life right now where um, I'm unwilling to compromise integrity with myself, um, or, or cap my becoming in order to have any particular relationship in my life. Yeah. And I'm opening to inviting in love in so many beautiful forms. And I have so much beautiful love in my life. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think it's, it's beautiful. And I'm, I'm curious where you are today and how you approach relationships today. Have you always been in that place? And has that always been how you approach them? Or like, what did the journey look like to get to this point? Totally. Um, I definitely did not always live like this. Um, I would say that my experience of dating um, and relating as it applies to romance really didn't officially start until I got out of college and moved to California. 
Um, I was living in California for about 12 years. Um, in college, I had a lot of sex, like more, more sex in college than I probably had in my entire life. And um, that sex was really driven by a desire to be chosen by a man, you know, have my person, have my partner. Um, and as a result, I had a lot of disconnected sex where I wasn't really connected to my heart, my body, my needs, my desires, and my ability to advocate and speak to what I wanted because I was so afraid of saying, doing, or being something that would lose love, affection, or intimacy. So in my 20s, I was still very much fixated on this idea of finding my person, and I would have this habit of placing that role onto any man who came into my life. And, you know, sometimes it was a benign experience and sometimes it was actually an incredibly detrimental experience that took me to some of the darkest places, both within myself um, of self-abandonment and disconnecting from my own inner knowing and intuition, and also just some of the darkest places in my life. And at those times, I'm so grateful to have been connected to my purpose work because if I didn't have something in my life that I was committed to and devoted to outside of relationship, I don't really know where I would have gone or what, I, like what would have happened. So I got to this place maybe when I was like 26 where I was in a relationship with a really beautiful man who also struggled with um, bipolar disorder. And we just kind of going back and forth. And I remember there was this um, moment in our relationship pretty close to when, um, we ended the relationship where I was sitting in our bed and he was in, uh, the living room, um, on his computer. And I was just reflecting on the sheer amount of men that I had been with, but that the amount of times that I truly felt like in the context of sex, um, that the amount of times that I truly felt connected to my body and actually feeling safe and relaxed enough to open into the experience was very small. And that, you know, while I could make it about the men, the, the common denominator was me. And that really inspired me to um, end the relationship I was in. And that's really what started me on my own um, sexual embodiment and sexual healing expansion journey, which really inspires a lot of the work that I do today. And it also really catalyzed the beginning of my business because I got to this place of getting clear that I want to learn how to open myself into deep intimacy with another without losing connection to who I am and what my own grounding is in the process. Um, I realized that the way that I was going about what you would call monogamy was not actually rooted in self-trust. It was actually just kind of rooted in addiction and fear and that I was going to practice unconventional relating non-monogamy to practice learning how to stay in my own center as I explore yeah. intimacy with others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm curious and, and thank you. Like it's a um, powerful journey. And then like, and, and it sounds like it's been 
pretty emotional. And like you said, like you've wound up in some of the darkest places that you've, you've ever been in life. And I appreciate the vulnerability in sharing that. And a question I had, like throughout college, you said you were having more sex than you've really ever had, but it, it sounds like it was, like you said, under the, under the guise of like, I need to find, uh, I need to find the one. And it sounds like sex was sort of like, I don't want to say your bait, but it was like the gateway, the gateway or, and, and this, I guess is the question was that like your view at that point was like, I want a man, men want sex. I must give sex. Or was it like, you really enjoyed it. You wanted it. And, and that just sort of lined up with what you thought men wanted. Um, that's, that's pretty on point. I wouldn't say that I felt like I needed to give sex. Sex never felt like a pressure to me. I always, it's funny to even feel into if I like enjoyed sex, I was comfortable with sex when I was in college. And yet, as I look back, it's like, oh, I was, I was very disconnected from my body. Like I wasn't actually fully in my body. So I would actually call that trauma-based sex. Um, but it was more that, yeah, I felt that if I had sex with this person and if this person was wanting to have sex with me, that they would choose me. Um, and it got me into, again, just not necessarily like dangerous or traumatic situations, but just disappointing situations where I just, I was operating from a, a warped perspective of what the connection actually was. Yeah. Do you think you're growing up in your childhood and experiences then like, how, how do you feel like that impacted going into college and in that state? Totally. Uh, I would say probably one of the most, uh, significant life experiences that has shaped much of my path was my parents' divorce when I was 10 years old. Uh, I was very close with my father and I celebrate that he and I um, have done a lot of work to get to a place where we have a, a really good connection in our life right now. Uh, and, you know, there was a very, in my perspective at the time, kind of sudden shift and my, the depth of my relationship with my father, um, when my parents got divorced, he got remarried rather quickly. And, um, my one-on-one -on -one connection with him kind of disappeared. Um, and he kind of, again, my perspective is that he also kind of disappeared a bit behind his wife, uh, just in terms of the, the raising of us. And I didn't feel super safe. Um, and when I would, you know, express to him grief, sadness about the kind of just like dissolving or the, the loss that I perceived, um, my perception was that his own shame and just lack of really knowing how to handle the guilt associated with the kind of the breakdown in our relationship would have him, uh, in my perspective, invalidate me, invalidate how I felt, call me too sensitive. It's like, it's very, you know, it's very common, like in male, female dynamics. It's like one of the woundings is my emotions are too much. Um, and what I've really reflected on is how that kind of blueprinting early on, uh, it kind of caused me, it caused me to doubt my feelings 
it, it caused kind of this internal mechanism of I can't trust how I feel, um, which I feel supported me in attracting in relationships with men, some of those darker relationships where things happened where I was kind of conditioned to believe that the person knew me better than I did. Um, so it goes, it goes into some pretty dark places, um, that I think all of us can relate to in certain ways. So yeah. And I'm also grateful because I really love who I am now. Um, deeply. <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah. anyone yeah. else other than me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you wouldn't be that person without your ex- life experiences. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing all of that. You're yeah, welcome. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And so, so coming out of college, it sounds like you started and you came out of that relationship with the, with the, with the person who, who had bipolar disorder. Where, where did that sort of set you off to next (laughs) it set me off to driving cross country to california being a 22 year old and finding myself in a dom sub relationship with a married man who was probably 30 years older than me (laughs) and 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 hold on how how did that happen (laughs) Because well, you had said you moved to California because you wanted to. You wanted to do that, but <laughs> how that happened was, I had moved out to California. I didn't know anyone. Um, I was, you know, always a very like high erotic energy being, and I didn't know a lot of people. So there, I think there was one night I went off to Craigslist, Craigslist, and there was this erotic poem that I found that this man had written and the way I don't even remember what the poem was, but the way he wrote the poem, I was both um, turned on by it and also disgusted by it. So I sent him a message expressing that to him. And that was the beginning of our relationship. (laughs) Wow, man. They really messed up Craigslist, didn't they? (laughs) So I just have to dig in. Like, how did that relationship evolve then? Yeah. Well, I know you said we don't get too into the gritty details, but... um, You're you're free to do whatever you want here. It's okay. Our first meeting, I'll just tell you our first meeting, then I'll fast forward to, like, how it ended. Our first meeting was us getting a hotel room. We'd never never met before. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I am not advertising. This is the way to go about things. I was very (laughs) blessed that it went well. Um, I, we got a hotel room and my instructions were to arrive early, go in, uh, get myself ready, uh, strip down naked, uh, blindfold myself and wait on my knees for him to come in to the room at a certain time. And our first experience was me completely blindfolded for the entire experience. Um, And spent the night and 
woke up and he left in the morning and our relationship was characterized by really exploring, um, like me going into uh, a submissive expression, uh, playing with a lot of, you know, daddy daughter energy and exploring those places. And I'm grateful I had the experience. I really believe that there's many levels of consciousness around dominant and submissive play. Um, and that I was not in a super empowered embodied relation, like relationship with myself in that dynamic. I had a lot of experiences in it that I think really helped to inform what it feels like when I'm showing up in my sovereignty versus when I'm showing up in my own victimhood. And, you know, I got to this place where like, it wasn't a clean relationship. His, his wife sort of, but sort of didn't know what was going on. So it wasn't clean. And I was okay with that at the time. And I think I just got to a place probably around a year in one where I just didn't feel good about the relationship. And I was getting to the place where I just, I was realizing I wasn't actually attracted to this experience anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah, I exited. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like you learned a lot about yourself and about the experiences in general through that. I learned a lot. It's interesting to, re- yeah, it's interesting to reflect. I haven't really thought about that time in my life in a minute. <laughs> would, would you say overall that like the, the experience was a positive and or healthy, not that those two are linked in any way, but would, do you feel like it was a positive, healthy experience, even though like you ultimately ended up not really being for you? Like how, when you look back on it, how do you, how do you feel about the experience? Yeah. Um, well I have, I don't, I mean, I feel like I have perhaps not the most conventional perspective around, um, experiences that bring forward a lot of shadow. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a lot of what I would call distortion in that relationship where um, I allowed myself to be kind of like nudged or convinced into things that if I had really been connected to the part in me that wasn't like seeking for something, I might've done it differently but it was a deeply valuable experience. Like it yeah. makes it makes me think of, you know, my time in the some would call the the neotantric sex cult that I was a part of um, for two years, where I learned so much about boundaries and about coercion and about uh <laughs> that everyone has both an angel and a villain in them, myself included. And I would not be the human or the the guide or the practitioner that I am today if I hadn't allowed myself to go into those dark places. Mm-hmm. So again, and that I'm experience was after, after this um, 
experience dating this person, correct? Yes. 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 So I, I definitely want to talk about that because that sounds very interesting. But I, I if you're if you're open to it, but I, I just wanted to circle back really quick to your the very first experience you had with with the Dom. Like you said, like you're not condoning or advocating that this is the way to do this. And I just I maybe just wanted to to come back to that and say, uh, yeah, that's a very scary, risky thing. And like clearly you you, you know that, right? And like, but like it is wild that it worked out for you, but I could, there's like so many opportunities in there for it really to not go well. And I think an, an experience like that can be crafted and can be done in a way that does create safety for you and for, and for the other person, because like in a lot of ways he's at risk too. Like if something happens to you, even if it wasn't his fault, like that's where like he's in, he's in risk as well. And so I just thought it was important to revisit that the, the, the health and safety around yes. meetings like that and ways like I mean, we don't probably have the the time to go into all the ways to do it right, but just acknowledging that like you were in a lot of ways pretty lucky that that went as smoothly and and well as it did. Yes, and you know, lucky, and I would also say it's like for whatever reason, um, I trusted that I would be okay. Mm-hmm there. And I am grateful that it was what it was. And that's why I say, you know, I don't condone, like, I don't, it's not even condone. We all get to make our own free will choices. Um, it was, it was a significant, it was a significant experience in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe the best way to, for me to think about it is like, yes, it worked for you, but I would not suggest everybody go out and try it just to, just because it worked for you. (laughs) That maybe is my, my, my uh, takeaway from that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So Th- thank you for indulging. Now we got to talk about the tantric sex cult. Well, I just want to like revisit the timeline real quick. So you're in California, you dated the Dom, and then you date some other people in California, right? Correctly, correct? Yes. And then after, but I, you said like mid to late 20s, you kind of reached a point where you transitioned, like you moved the way you were approaching relationships and sex and your own personal energy. Yes. Yes. So I was dating, I was probably in three or four relationships after I ended the relationship with the the Dom. And around, I think 26, I got myself into a series of different um, yes, sexual embodiment modalities. Um, I moved through a three-month process called explosive sexual healing which works with a combination of mantra work, somatic release work, and uh, G-spot orgasm. And during the the halftime like integration of my work with my practitioners, they were like, we want you to go to learn this practice called orgasmic meditation. And for those who aren't aware, uh, orgasmic meditation is a 15-minute um, meditative practice that involves, um, a woman undressing from the waist down and, um, her clitoris being stroked for 15 minutes with no goal other than to just feel what arises when we release all agenda around trying to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, the company that founded the practice of orgasmic meditation, well, the woman who founded it was named, is named Nicole Daydone. Um, and she founded a company called One Taste. There's a, a fair amount of controversy 
in the world around one taste. I don't even think that they, they don't teach the practice anymore. Um, it's shifted immensely. Um, and my time in one taste was, um, (laughs) profound. Um, the people that I connected with there, the experiences that I had there, um, and also the manipulation that I experienced of, uh, you know, and I want to be mindful um, of painting any any organization as a villain because um, Nicole De Doan is still probably one of my most meaningful teachers in terms of a woman who I respect for what she's created and the projection that she has received in the world and the sheer amount of energy she's had to navigate in order to fulfill her dharma. So I honor her. And I really got to be in this container, you know, of my coaching program of like 150 people where, you know, there are times where it's like there are probably 75 women's pussies being stroked simultaneously in a room together. And we're all riding the wave of orgasm together. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole experience that actually feels quite normal to me and to the people that I was in that community with. And I also, at the time, you know, spent all of my money. Like there was, there was, we could do 77 podcasts on one taste. Um, but it, I will say like my best lovers, um, and I don't even know what to say. Like, if you have questions about it, I'm happy to answer. But it's been, it was a deeply formative um, time in my life, both in terms of my capacity to serve others uh, in the wild waters of desire and intimacy and authenticity and boundaries. Um, and yeah, it worked me. Uh, approximately how long was that experience? Um, about two years. Yeah, okay. year and a half, two years. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I know, like you said, we could probably talk about that for the whole episode. And wanting to, first of all, acknowledge that, like, we don't know enough about it. I actually have an article pulled up on my computer right now about it because we interviewed somebody a few weeks ago who uh, experienced some of this as well. So I have not, and we have not done the research on it to, to really speak to it. So some of those resources, like, to research that will be in the show notes. But I think knowing, like you kind of said, like it is controversial. There were definitely some very powerful things you experienced. Some were manipulative, some were maybe not as wholesome. Right. And, and again, we don't know all of the details, but I think just understanding that like that was a thing you went through and that has been very transformative for yeah. you. Yeah. And what, and what I want to tie it to just with the whole conversation of, you know, non-monogamy and relationship is um, all of these experiences and how they relate to how I've chosen to engage in intimacy and relationship as an awakening path is looking at where on subtle or not so subtle levels we've kind of been conditioned in culture in order to compromise the knowing of the self in order to make love stay. 
and amidst any experience where I could experience manipulation from a person or an organization, ultimately on a deep level, it's me acknowledging that I allowed for that experience to occur. I chose to be a yes to this experience where I was choosing to forget my power and my self-knowing. And more than any, you know, identification of monogamy, non-monogamy, polyamory, I'm deeply devoted to being connected to um, what my heart feels and needs in order to open in the way that it desires to open. And that I believe that those needs and desires can shift and evolve over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you talking to that experience and what you took away from it and how impactful it was for you. And, and so thank you. And so coming out of that, you're now in your late twenties. Where does that take you next? Where does that take me next? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I'm just reflecting after I got out of one taste. So relationally, sure. where that took me was, I don't actually feel like the desire for a devotional partnership ever went away. And in my late twenties and, you know, very early thirties, I was in a space of having several different lovers at any given time. And I would say most of my experiences with men were with men in clear polyamorous uh, partnerships with other women. So I would be uh, the second that came in and have these yummy, juicy, contained experiences where I was really able to explore certain aspects of relating um, around desire and pleasure and truth speaking in very contained ways. What I reflect on probably one of my most meaningful loverships, it was with a man that I connected with in one taste who was, they called it OM partners, orgasmic meditation OM. So he was one of my primary stroking partners and he was always in a, you know, committed partnership with a poly and polyamorous context. And, um, at that point he had gotten married to a really lovely woman and I was one of his main lovers. And I still reflect that my time with him was probably one of the most meaningful relationships. One, because it was just the most, like some of the most delicious connected sex of my life. And there was no part of me that wanted anything more than was genuinely available. Like I actually got to have the experience of being with a man where what was on the table was what I desired and that there wasn't any part of me that was subtly trying to get more through our sex, which as we tracked, you know, in college, sex was a means to something else. So I got to have the experience of, um, 
a super clean container where we both were, were resonant around what our desires were. And because there was nothing from me that for secretly desired more, I felt really comfortable just being able to text him and just being like, can you come over and just like make love to me for a few hours? Like there was this, there was this freedom of experiencing like desire without hidden agenda that I believe is a very important teaching. And it's, it's one of the primary things that I work with clients around is just where, where we aren't able to be, um, super transparent about what we want from the people that we're relating with. So my late twenties and early thirties was a lot of exploration with partnered men, um, sometimes with their female partners as well. And that that's just what was aligned for me at that time. And, and that, like you said, like you would be comfortable texting him and saying, come over and let's have sort of a, a physical connection or a sexual experience. And when you said like, you weren't really desiring more as in like, you weren't looking for like a necessarily a romantic partner or someone to like move in and get a bank account and buy a house. And you were sort of seeking something different from relationships. Yeah. At that point. Like there was no part of me that wanted to take him from his woman right, um, or right. even be like taken out on a date. And I'd also don't want to minimize at all the beauty of the connection between he and I, like the spaces yeah. that we got to drop into intuitively, energetically, emotionally, was so beautiful. And I actually feel like that space was accessible because of how clear the nature of our relationship was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't mean to minimize it in any way that like, I that, that, by, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that by itself can be all you need out of that relationship. Maybe not all you need in life, but out of that dynamic and that it can be completely self-contained and a full experience by itself. Yeah. 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 And so during that time, you said for a handful of years there, you were dating different people and different, they, they may have been in other relationships and kind of exploring what it sounds like is uh, your form of non-monogamy and in some ways of dating multiple people for different, in different arrangements, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And how did that evolve to where you're at now? (sighs) Um, Well, one of the one of the main things for me is that I, I live on the big island of Hawaii now, and I am blessed to live in a place where there's actually genuine community here, like you know, two or three hundred people where we live in the jungle and we're dancing together in the jungle like two or three times a week and we're singing together weekly and we're seeing each other at the beach and we're doing ceremony together. And, um, uh, a lot of what is deeply important to me right now is looking at where we've learned as a culture to engage in sex in a way that disconnects from the heart, um, like holding, any person we're, we're having sex with as a brother or sister on the path, um, in subtle or not so subtle ways. And 
my, the place that I'm in right now in my work and in my dharma is I need to be super intentional about who I share my energy with. Um, a, a concept that I work with a lot in uh, the online community that I hold, the Cosmic Tantra community, is we talk about leaky containers. And, you know, one of the challenges that I experience, um, and I'm not saying that this can't be done beautifully, it can be done beautifully and intentionally, but one of the challenges that I experience in non-monogamy and polyamory is that um, there can be an issue of leaky energy where there's not super clear or clean communication and even beyond clean or clear communication, it's the way that we hold our energy, the, the container of our life force energy. And I'm in a place where I'm not necessarily opposed to having, you know, a lover, a lover come in, pop in and there's a lover from my past who actually as recently popped into my life who I could see having like a little deep dive with him. But because of what I'm creating right now, um, especially with the cosmic tantra community, which is like devotion to the highest integrity and holding of clean energy as we weave heart and sex, sharing my energy sexually or erotically with multiple people can compromise my container. Um, especially because there is this desire ultimately for, um, a partnership with one being and who knows what wants to be created from that place. Um, my feeling right now is when the man comes in that we share that mutual desire to go deeper, that he and I will create a really like deliciously solid container of trust and depth and safety and intimacy with each other, just each other. And from that place, we can see what we want to create. But what I found is that kind of doing surface level or kind of just like ambiguous relating where things aren't clearly defined. Once I open my erotic energy, like my heart just comes online and I, I, I don't want to change that. I, I want the full connection between the sacral heart and crown. And when there's not the clarity or like the ambiguity of different connections, what I notice for myself is that it's easy for my energy to leak out to that person when I'm not with them. And if there's not a mutual like devotion to feeding that energy, it can be a drain on my life force energy and my creativity and, um, I'm just not available for that in my life right now because what I'm creating is too important to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, well, and, you did uh, a beautiful job explaining that. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and you. maybe just to like put it and maybe for me to, to just to kind of make sure I understand it. And so it, as just a hypothetical, like if there was a person who came in and was to want to create a, a situation similar to what you had with the partner, your, your own partner from one taste, where it was like, we see each other twice a week and it's purely sexual. And then I see them in a week like that right now for you, where you're at, like you would not necessarily be able to separate the sex and the, the love or the heart that goes with that. And so it would be, it would be hard for you to keep those lines defined and they might get too blurred. Mm. 
No. Um, it's like, that's where I, I'm, I'm really getting to this place of just acknowledging that nothing is ever black or white. And if there's something that comes into my life that feels super aligned, like for example, like in my community, you know, and like my band of close brothers in this community, I've had sex with several of them in the past and there is yummy energy. Um, and yet, um, there's not a clarity, like to me to do it cleanly actually requires a high level of self mastery around clarity of intention words and the way that we hold our energy. It's, it's not a light game. Um, and with the lover that lives on the mainland, it's like his, his level of clarity and how he can hold the container and the cleanliness of it, I actually feel good about welcoming him in to my life because again, he's already in a committed partnership. I, I'm not, my energy is not going to be leaking because there's not part of me that's like wondering what could it be? What could it be? You know? (laughs) So it's, it's kind of the ability to say like, what is this? And then hold it there. But I feel like also there's this element of like today it's, it's this, but like, what if we evolve into something different? Yeah. Well, I think it's also just being aware from what you're saying of being aware of energy drains. And if something feels draining, like to not for you where you're at right now, to be very aware of that, that that's not a place you want to go because you, you very much want to be putting your energy into you on other things that you're doing. Yes. And it's, 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 it's a dance because on one level, um, the person that I'm opening to playing with needs to be operating at a certain level of self-awareness in themselves that they can be mindful of this exchange. For me, I need to know that there's a very high level of communication available because if we're melting into the waters of bliss and orgasmic energy, there needs to be structure and containment and that's, that's a, that's a standard for me that if it's not met, I've just found through compromising it that I just wind up feeling yucky on the other side. So the, them being available for a certain level of communication is key. And, um, ultimately it's requiring me to come into an even deeper level of self-responsibility around how much, opening I can allow in me before if I see the person like connecting with another person, it's going to fuck me up. Like there is, for example, one man in my community who we've had sex before several times. And, you know, we've been in that juicy romantic space and it's very clear that our desires and needs didn't align for me to continue to be open in that space. So there were some boundaries that needed to be set. I needed to take a step back to reorient how I could be around him without feeling like my heart was guarded because I'm very committed to doing what I need to do within myself to have my heart open with all of my brothers 
and to not allow resentment or wounds from the past to make them wrong and push love away. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to call them forward into integrity. Um, but I'm really, I've really been in this committed practice of, I want to allow myself to be nourished by the intimacy of my brothers, which can feel like very, like very cuddly and very heart centered and very connected and really tracking for myself. When am I starting to open into a realm that actually is the way that I would be with a devotional partner and just being conscious of if I'm allowing myself to go there or not. Because ultimately, it's my responsibility, um, and I wanna I wanna navigate this realm with as much grace as possible. And yeah, it's 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 a dance. I, I don't think it's black or white because every connection is so different. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I can appreciate that for sure. Yeah, one thing you've touched on um, a little bit was uh, you talked about you know, your sexual experiences and and your relationships being with other men. And I wanted to ask about your sexuality and if you could touch on where, where you feel like that is for you. Hmm. Uh, um, I personally feel like I have a very deep access to pleasure. And a lot of that is because um, of the depth of embodiment work I've done. Um, and I would describe embodiment work as restoring integrity with the body through looking at all the places where we've actually come out of integrity with the truth of the body in order to kind of make things stay in our lives. And I am a highly energetic being. I can experience rather easily a full on multiple body orgasm simply through being touched on my back with a person who knows how to allow their energy to move through their system. And again, a lot of my devotion and a lot of the work that I facilitate is around like resensitizing the whole system. And it's both a total blessing because the level of connectivity that I have with the world and the magic around me, because to me, sexual energy is life force energy, is so profound. And in a way, it actually requires even more discernment for me around how I share myself because it's so easy for me to melt like it's, it's so easy for me to access that state. And it's, um, it's such a vulnerable, it's such a vulnerable, um, unguarded place to surrender into. It can happen anywhere. If I allow it, like I can feel it now. It's just like, it's a deeply tender and beautiful space that I would actually love for every human being to know that they have access to without taking any of your clothes off. It requires um, like devotion to really knowing how to hold myself because otherwise I could feel very victimized by the, by the world around me. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Where do you see, I guess, 
I want to give you a chance in a few minutes to talk about your work for sure. But before we get there, like, do you, do you see, where do you see your path going? Your relationally or just, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, my path, I mean, I very much feel that I've found home on the big Island of Hawaii. I feel very in service to the health and vitality of this community because I actually believe that it's a blueprint for what we can come back to, um, in connection to the earth, in connection to each other, um, in a deeply profound way. Um, the cosmic Tantra community is a Dharma project that feels like it is going to expand me into an evolution of myself that, um, I've been preparing for within myself for probably the past four or five years. Um, another aspect of my path that is deeply important to me and is significant in my life is music and sound, um, performance, um, working with divine frequency, um, and really just showing up as a, as a ceremonialist in my community and in the world. And, um, I believe that I am here to help people anchor in some very high level blueprints for the way that we relate with people in the energetic realms. Um, um, like this deep resensitization and really, um, recognizing ourselves as divine beings and the type of connection that is available to us when we're embodying that energy. Um, I do believe there is a deeply profound partnership coming into my life. Um, a co-creative romantic partnership that I'm so curious to see what it is when it's here, because I feel that there's, there's something accessible. There's both like a devotion and a freedom available in partnership that it's like, if I'm just holding it myself, it's a different game. So I'm really curious for what this union catalyzes in my life when it's here. And I'm also really committed to not depriving myself of nourishment and um, love and intimacy as that comes in. I feel like a lot of my path is helping people to look at where any type of label is kind of serving as a placeholder for connection to the deeper, ever-evolving truth that lives within. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah committed to that path for myself and as a reflection for others. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that and for everything you've shared. Uh, do you might, I would love to hear a little bit more about the work that you do and where people can find you. Yeah. The simplest way that I would describe my work is that I am a mentor and I am a muse. Um, people tend to get attracted to me, um, through the path of a desire to access deeper intimacy with themselves and with others and with life. And what the work 
really becomes is kind of like a, like a calibration portal for aligning with the highest self and learning how to align every aspect of our lives and relationships so that any place where our system has learned to kind of like contract or contort, contort can just come into this place of easeful embodiment and seeing what life becomes when we devote ourselves to that integrity and that alignment with self um, as a mastery path and as artistry. Um, I do beautiful work with men um, around masculine and feminine polarity. Um, I do beautiful work with couples around finding right relationship between the flow and masculine and feminine energy within them. Um, and I do beautiful work with women. Um, it's really just about if a person feels drawn to the energy that I'm carrying and desiring to be in a co-creative container. So that work is deeply meaningful and sacred. And the other access point for my online work is, uh, the Cosmic Tantra community, which I would describe as a global online membership of consciousness seekers on the awakening path who are seeking to anchor in the new paradigm of love, sexuality, and authentic human connection. And that's a monthly online portal where people can attend at any time. And we have, you know, live Zoom events um, a couple of times a month where people from all over the world call in and we're working with these different topics of what does it look like to love cleanly? What does it look and feel like to connect our sex with our heart and with our divinity and the people that are being attracted in and the energy that's being cultivated in the space is beautiful and profound and it's really a wonderful um, way to kind of get a taste of the energy that I'm working with in a very kind of like, it's like mentorship is, it's a, it's a significant devotion of time and money and energy. And the, the cosmic tantra community is a really beautiful way to be immersed in the field of energy that we're all working with, um, in perhaps a more accessible way. Um, and it's also just been lovely to be out here on the big island of Hawaii and create space for more intentional retreats for people who are wanting to come out and, um, work with the powerful energy of this island, um, you know, and work with a lot of the energy of what you and I were speaking about of, you know, to me, when we're when we're not fully embodying our authentic self and relationship, inevitably it's going to impact the way we can authentically express and access our creativity in every area of life. So mm -hmm. I love working with people in those realms and um, the easiest way to connect with me, you can visit my website at www.arielebrown.com. You can learn more about the cosmic Tantra community there and I also post pretty regularly on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so I invite anyone who feels inspired to send me a message and connect. Yeah. And links to all of that will be in the show notes too. 
Yep, for anybody who was driving and didn't get a chance to write that down. <laughs> so yeah, links will be in the show notes. And and thank you, Ariel, for for everything today. I had I had a question that we've actually never asked on the show, and I thought of it a little bit ago. And please know you never have to answer any of our questions. And and we we actually gave you the the the, the speech at the, before we started recording that we don't typically dig into the gory details of sex, and so you don't actually need to go into the gory details, but. Unless you want to. Yeah, yeah, unless you want to. But my, my question is this. Because you've, you've, by your own accord, had a lot of sex over the last, let's call it 20-ish years, maybe less. Um, very different kinds in different phases of life, different <laughs> scenarios. All, all, let's say, varieties of sex. What For where you're at today, like, what is... We, we ask this question sometimes on our on our virtual meet and greets. Like the question we usually ask is like, what does it mean to be good and bad? And I think the question is like, having the experiences you've had and coming to where you're at today, like what is good sex for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, to me, first of all, great sex begins before you take your clothes off. It begins before you're even necessarily in the room where you're going to have sex. Um, to me, great sex is about attunement and it's about presence. Um, it's about becoming so um, attuned, connected, and um, present to the self, present to the other and present to the moment that um, everything is electric, like everything is heightened because of how present we are. Um, great sex is about taking the point A to point B that we've learned of like, take your clothes off, stick the thing in, have the climax and then be done to, um, allowing, I describe it as the, the accordion to fully stretch out and to reveal all these beautiful, subtle layers of connection that are pleasurable in ways we haven't even taught. We haven't even been taught our pleasure where just breathing and witnessing each other allowing for there to be so much stillness that tears can emerge and that you don't even need to know where the tears come from, but it is an expression of eros and orgasm. Um, and where each person is so committed to being present to what's true that we would never dream of trying to get anywhere if we aren't f both fully here in the body checked into what's happening right now. Um, great sex doesn't even necessarily mean penetration occurs. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Oh, I appreciate it. And I think it's a beautiful description. It is. Yeah. And I think, you know, I love that you started by saying like, yeah, it starts before, your clothes come off before you're even in the the space where whatever it is is going to happen. Like there's so much 
groundwork that gets laid so you can then access all the other places that you talked about afterwards. And you can't, you can't go to those places if you're not trusting and connected with the person you're about to go on that journey with. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you for, for the conversation today. Is there anything we haven't asked about or talked about that you have to scream out into the, to the universe before we let you get back to, we assume surfing and playing in the sand Mm -hmm. in Hawaii. (laughs) Yeah. The main thing that's coming up is, you know, I feel like one of the main things people want is like great sex. Like how do I access more pleasure? How do I get more yum? Um, And the main thing that has been so deeply significant on my path and probably the main thing that I'm guiding people through in my work is um, the deep need to feel safe in our own bodies and beyond feeling safe with anyone else. It's the type of feeling safe with myself that, um, I'm, I'm committed to not leaving my body or, or, or violating myself, um, to get anything outside of me. And that, you know, if I'm in an experience of intimacy, I'm willing to, slow down the moment in order to just pause and be like, Hey, can, can we just pause for a moment? I notice that I'm checking out or I'm noticing that it's difficult for me to be present right now. Um, my experience is that so many of us are carrying around so many little micro traumas and wounds of just feeling like it's not safe to be who we are, that no matter how much sensation play, you know, no matter how intense the vibrator is that we're working with or how kinky the scenarios are, like if our internal system doesn't believe that we're committed to staying like to honoring the self at all costs, our capacity for pleasure is going to be capped because we're talking about surrender beyond the conscious level. We're talking about the soul trusting the self to not leave, to pursue anything outside of it. Um, and that this path is not just about better sex. It's about a complete transformation of the way that we experience every aspect of our life and that we are in fact creating everything that we attract. Um, and I know that the people who know what I'm talking about know. Um, so thank you for creating the space and, um, for welcoming me me into it. Yeah. Well, you're more than welcome and we're excited to have had this conversation and thank you for everything you've shared and, and all the work you do. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Aloha. And we're back. A huge thank you to Arielle for coming out and sharing your story and for all of the amazing work that you do. We're excited to promote it and get everything out there. Yeah, absolutely. Again, links are in the show notes to all of Arielle's work. You can find that at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And there you can join the Cosmic Tantra community that she's building. Yes. And find out about her one-to-one coaching work and all of the other amazing things. So 
please go check that out. And once again, thank you, Arielle, for coming on and sharing everything. Yes, thank you so much. A couple of quick reminders before we let you go. First up, uh, our next virtual meet and greet is going to be on November 30th. It's coming up in a few weeks. Go sign up at our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Also, while you're on our website, you can order a Give Love shirt or sweatshirt. Just a quick plug there. That's also available. And we also wanted to include a reminder that there is an intimacy workshop coming up on December 3rd. It's three hours and it's put on by previous guests of ours from episode eight and episode 19. And we're super excited about this opportunity as well. Links to sign up are in the show notes as well as on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And a quick reminder, if you do go sign up, you can use the discount code Emma to, to save a couple of bucks off of that. And definitely check this out. It sounds amazing. Emma and I are planning to be there and we're super stoked. Yep. And next week we've got, well, you wouldn't believe it, another interview. (laughs) With Elisa and Mike. Yeah, this is a great conversation. We're super excited about that. They have a podcast as well called Polly plus Amor equals us. Yes. Very clever. Very clever. You'll figure out why it's clever if you write it down. (laughs) But more on that next week. Come back and listen. And we will see you all then. Take care and have a fantastic weekend. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.